you know, in, in inflation. Let's talk about inflation and how does that affect Hispanic families? I'm, I'm sure you're going to be talking to member, members of Congress about that. It's the number one issue by a huge margin across the board, regardless of party affiliation, uh, re- regardless of region. We, we, we took big samples of some of our, our key states. So this is all Americans are currently struggling with this, right? But you can imagine in, in the Latino community, this is a, a big issue because unfortunately what they're hearing and what they're seeing on the news is very different than the reality. Uh, they're hearing that there's this thing called Bidenomics and there's all this messaging around that telling them, hey, this is a great success. And you're, you should be better off than you were before. And when you ask the question, it's like 70% of the people say they're worse off. They see it and they get it. And, and, and it actually drives them to want to do something about it. And it turns them into activists that you know are engaging now in our activities and our grassroots. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. Hey, thanks for joining us for another edition of American Potential. Appreciate you being with us. Listen, talking to lawmakers is really important because they need to hear from people that they represent about issues that affect them. And that's why Days on the Hill events at the state and federal level are organized. And it's to give people the opportunity to talk to their elected officials Now, this past May, Concerned Veterans for America, a sister organization of Americans for Prosperity, held their Vets on the Hill event to talk to federal lawmakers about issues that are facing veterans. In June, Americans for Prosperity held their Capitol Conference to talk about issues such as a personal option when it comes to health care, creating a better U.S. energy policy. Now, this month, Libre, another sister organization, will hold their day on the Hill event. But what makes this one special is it's the very first one held in Washington, D.C. Now, some of the issues that they'll talk to lawmakers about will be the economy, health care, and immigration. Now, on today's episode, we have Jose Malia, who's the chief executive officer of Libre, to talk more about this first-time event for Libre. Jose, how are you? Doing great, Jeff. So such a pleasure to be here with you as a as a, a longtime listener, first time caller. All right. Well, listen, you and I've worked together a, quite a long time, except you disappeared for a few years. <laughs> right. I laughed. I saw you come. You, you worked for a Libre for quite a while. Then you then you were gone and left for a bit for many years, then came back. And I saw you when you came back. I was like, man, did they just hide this guy in the closet or what? <laughs> like there all of a sudden you were right. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you were like the first familiar face I saw that day. I was like, oh, it's Jeff. Uh, right. It's like the blip. I, I I I left and I came back, and it's a it's a whole new place. It feels like home, but there's so much more exciting stuff happening, and it really feels, it's just great to be back. Okay, now I understand you you own a brewery in downtown Miami. Is that right? I do, Jeff. So I you know I I was always a an enthusiast of craft beer, right? Like so okay. many of us. Which and by that I mean I enjoy drinking it. Uh, and when I when I lived in D.C., I, I spent time in D.C. and in, in, in government, and, and uh, I, I just fell in love with craft beer from the Mid Atlantic states, from the Northeast, stuff that we couldn't get back in Miami. A lot of European beers, and that passion in me stuck around. And you know, once I made the jump from you know public sector to private sector, I opened my first restaurant 
in Coral Gables. It was very successful. It was a bar and restaurant that focused a lot on craft beer, craft cocktails early when that movement was just starting. Um, and then from there, decided that I wanted to open Miami's first craft brewery. Um, we got beat to the punch by one or two breweries, but we were one of the first. And it, it's been a, an incredible experience. So that happened, funny enough, right? As I was still working at Libre and a lot of the principles that we learned, the management principles, the, the, the values that the organization has, I actually took that and instituted it into my business. And it helped me really start a great organization back then. Uh, when I left the organization in 2015, I actually left to go work in, on a national political campaign but I still had the business and I was kind of juggling both. And eventually just when that campaign ended, I just dove into the business side of it, grew the brewery. And today it's a Biscayne Bay Brewing Company. It's the, I'd say the most recognized independent craft brewery, meaning that we're owned by, you know, local investors and partners, not a major multinational. Um, and we also are, you know, a, a, a very highly sought after craft beer. We're the official beer partner of the Miami Marlins. We have a presence with the with the Miami Heat, and we have that new downtown tap room that just opened up. Wow, that's pretty awesome! I I, I learned something about you, Jose. You you did yeah. lots of stuff while you were. Well, I thought you were just gone somewhere, hiding in a room, oh, and look at all the yeah. fun stuff you were doing, right? <laughs> Absolutely, man. And you know, you know what's interesting? I think I, I credit my experience with the community for giving me the courage uh, to go out there and be an entrepreneur. You know, the people that we get exposed to, that we get to meet, uh, the incredible interactions that we have amongst ourselves, un talking about these issues that are so important to our communities, like Libre focuses a lot on the entrepreneurial spirit, harnessing the entrepreneurial spirit of the Latino community. So then being able to say, OK, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and I'm going to go be bold and take a big risk and do all these things. I, 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 I'd say that that finally, I think, is what sort of gave me that confidence to go out and do that. But at the same time, today now, like you were just talking about the, the flying that we're doing, I can talk about these issues from a personal level, good and bad, sometimes even right. more bad than good, right? Because right. of all the regulations we have to deal with. You know, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal, I think it was like four years ago, that said that opening a craft brewery in the United States is harder than opening a small business in China. <clears throat> and, wow. and, it, and it's probably true for a number of reasons. And some things make sense because we're manufacturing a product, we're, we're, we're making alcohol, there's regulatory stuff. But the other reason is because of crony capitalism and all these other things uh, that happen in our system that punish small business owners, that punish entrepreneurs in order to benefit these larger entities that are trying to, you know, rig the system to benefit them, right? And we see that at every level, from the state level, even the local level to the federal level, with all sorts of antiquated regulations. Um, and, you know, one of our colleagues that's in Wisconsin, uh, Eric Bott, was sharing with me recently some of his experiences fighting the good fight at the Wisconsin state level, some of the progress they made because of Americans for Prosperity and fixing some of those regulations. But those things now are, are personal to me, right? So I can share with our legislative uh, you know, advocates or champions why we need to fight for or against you know, some of these, uh, these, these policies. Well, and before we talk about Libre <laughs> and, and uh, this fly-in, let's, let's, I want folks to understand a little bit about you. Share a little bit of your story. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was <clears throat> I was born in New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey. Uh, my dad from Cuba, my mom from Ecuador and New Jersey has a, a they still have a very strong Cuban community there in Hudson County. Uh, and my mom's family was all in New York City. And 
we, we were early on, we were a bipartisan household. I would say, you know, families with different perspectives and politics. So they helped help me understand a lot of things. But at the core of it, everyone shared the same core values, right? Uh, why we're all here seeking freedom, seeking opportunity, fighting for a better way of life. Uh, grew up there, moved to Miami as a kid. And at a very young age, at 19, started volunteering on political campaigns my first year in college. I uh, got to work on as a volunteer on uh, Senator Dole's campaign as a youth coordinator and uh, had a lot of great friendships. Other folks who went on to work in politics from that campaign. Uh, 98, I worked for the state party on Governor Bush's uh, second campaign for governor as a field director. Um, and then from there, worked on Governor, governor Bush's presidential race from Texas. And uh, that led me to go work in Washington, D.C. I spent the year at the Small Business Administration. Uh, I spent uh, two years at the White House as personal aide to the White House Chief of Staff, Andy Card, and that was an amazing experience. And then I went to the State Department for a year, where I did commercial and business affairs, representing American companies in the in the Middle East region. Uh, that was another great experience. And then after all that, I decided, you know what, I'm ready to go back home. Came back to Miami, was Chief of Staff to the Mayor of Miami for a couple of years. Really cool opportunity to really touch problems where they're where they're at, right? And when you're in a city. You don't get to hide behind a policy or some legislation that you pass that people might not feel it uh, forever. When you're in a city, you're touching the problems daily and your solutions get implemented pretty fast. And that's a really, really exciting place to work. After all that, I went out to the private sector, started my own business and eventually dabbled in the restaurant business. And then I ran uh, Senator Rubio's campaign in 2010 for the U.S. Senate. Um, and I think we might have crossed paths at that point, Jeff, because you, you were involved in that cycle as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, you know, we were doing a bunch of stuff nationally with, with Senator Rubio and, and that campaign, which was a, a very tough race. Uh, you know, got to witness the birth of all sorts of movements and uh, all sorts of organizations that were springing up to, to fight against some of the you know federal overreach we were seeing in those days. You know, imagine that 15 years ago, right, where we're at today. <laughs> right. um, yeah. And then in, 20, in 2012, um, I joined the Lever Initiative, and that was just a really amazing opportunity that Dan Garza reached out and said, Jose, longtime friend, I, I, I've seen some of the stuff you're doing uh, in the political world. We, we want to create this organization. We have great supporters and partners that want to be a part of this. I want you to join me. So I joined Dan early on, uh, decided to you know come in. I was the first uh, national strategic uh, advisor, I think was the title. We're really doing all the political strategy. And all the grassroots strategy, which back then we were trying to figure out how this could have an impact um, in, in some of these, you know, policy fights and things that we were working on. And then really did that for two years with Libra, for three almost with Libra, a great experience, had a lot of fun in those early days. And, you know, we were learning, kind of building the plane as we were going down the runway, but it was just so much fun and so excited to get out there. And by the time I left, we were in six states. Uh, we had had some pretty competitive races in 2014. I'm sure you, you know, we, we lived through a, a lot of that in uh, Nevada, Colorado, Texas, and, yeah. and, and, and Florida, where, we, where I feel like we had an impact, right, um, in, in, our, in our fight in the districts that we were, we, were, we were impacting there. And then in 2015, I left to be a senior advisor to Governor Jeb Bush on his presidential race. You know, hometown, uh, someone that I, I really admired and felt, you know, was really had a, a lot of conviction and wanted to go out there and you know, do the toughest thing that I think any anyone could put themselves up for, which is uh, running for president of the United States. And when that election ended, that's when I decided, you know what, I need to really focus on the business. And if I'm serious about this company, then I'm going to come back and start start to really focus on building it and scaling it. And that's kind of what, what I ended up doing the rest of that time. Um, 
and now here I am <laughs> back at Libre. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, well, that's it's an amazing. I mean, you've done a lot of lot of things in politics. Pretty exciting life. I look back on my own career, and I just the other day I was thinking, man, I've gotten to do some incredible stuff. I mean, you you you've kind of lived that that same life. But for listeners that that don't understand or know about Libre and the Libre Initiative, uh, what, tell folks what Libre is and what you do. Yeah, look, we we are. An organization. Well, the word "libre" means freedom, right? And and what we what we are doing is that we are educating and engaging the Latino community on the on all these really important uh, principles, right? Uh, of a, what, what makes a free society, what's important for them to to fight for these values, right? And so we do it in a bunch of different ways. So we have presence in these states. And one thing that I'll give us, you know, we were recently doing an internal assessment of our team and. When we analyze what's what's the number one thing that's that, that we have going for us, and, and and to me it's our talent, it's our people. You know, we have an amazing team of dedicated individuals that care deeply about the communities where they work, uh, at, at every level, local level, national level. And I think because of that, they have a very good understanding of the needs of the community. So we're out there doing everything from English classes to citizenship courses to driver's license courses to financial literacy even healthcare screenings. It depends on what the needs of those communities are. But what we do through that is that we're meeting people where they are, right? We're, we're, we're showing, and, and genuinely, not just, you know, a lot of organizations that are in, the, in this world, they'll do things to kind of, you know, get you in the door and then they don't follow it up. But we've been doing this for 12 years. Uh, and that was one of the most encouraging things coming back. So we do this work, we help educate the community. We try to remove these barriers, whether it's language, a driver's license, uh, understanding how to deal with red tape when you're starting a small business, whatever it is. And through that work, people realize, hey, I really love what these guys are doing. I want to learn more. And then we get people who come to us and say, hey, I want to be uh, an activist for you. How, how do I get involved? And so we then put them into our, our space where we're knocking on doors and going into neighborhoods and talking about these issues. Like, hey, did you know that, you know, these policies that are out there are affecting your family? Or we ask them questions like, what are the most important things to you? What are the things that concern you? And then we realize there's a lot of issues where our movement shares in a big way uh, the values of the Latino community. A lot of it has to do with economic opportunity and the fact that we're, we're trying to build a better lives for ourselves. If you're first generation, just got here, second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, there's some communities that are, you know, in New Mexico and Texas that we are talking people whose families have been here, you know, hundred or hundreds of years, right? Uh, and they, they identify uh, still with these issues. And so we try to take that and turn them into uh, advocates and champions for us and go out there and do some of the policy uh, advocacy work, whether it's at their state capitol, at their city hall or in, in Washington, D.C. And so all of that kind of comes together under the umbrella of, of, uh, of Libra. That's sort of a summary version of it. And then us at the national level, we're, we're fighting the fight on national media, right? Like we are out there to these national television networks that frankly have always had a little bit of a slant uh, to the left, right? But they, they're also starting to realize that the community um, is, is evolving. And the more we educate, the more we teach and, and share these, these ideas and these principles, I think it resonates for people. And so you're starting to see a slight shift in some of those media companies that are coming to us now and saying, hey, we want to partner with you. Uh, I know that for a long time, we, we've seen your work for 10 years, 12 years, and we're ready to partner with you. We're ready to start talking about how we can do some of these things together, which is exciting. So that's kind of what Libra does. Uh, we have a lot of really great talent that works on policy research, 
we just did our first national poll in a long time that we're going to be releasing on September 7th at the National Press Club with some of these findings, right? Uh, really, I don't want to give away the, the, the you know, the, the, the secret sauce here. It really isn't, but like the exciting stuff, but like the incredible alignment we have on educational choice, the incredible alignment we have on healthcare issues, personal option, uh, of course, on economic issues. And, and then really some, some of the nuanced perspectives on immigration, right? Which isn't as black and white as some people think sometimes. Uh, big one, big emphasis on border security, of course, as well. So there's so many things that we're excited to, to talk about. So that'll be September 7th. And then the following week, we're going to be on the Hill, like you mentioned, doing that fly in with all of our Libre uh, leadership and our state leaders too coming up uh, to start getting in front of members of Congress. So it's exciting. We have a, a lot of fun stuff coming up and. You know, if, if if you're in a community where there's a Libre chapter, we'd love to, to see you. Yeah, this is exciting. I mean, you've got a, a, a lot of Hispanic leaders from around the community, around the country, really, that are going to be heading to Washington, D.C. to talk about how government is affecting their lives many times in a negative way. And maybe we'll get to some of that. I mean, this is an exciting event for you. Um, I, I was going to ask you what issues you're talking about to lawmakers, but you mentioned them, and I guess we'll just kind of walk through some of those. You know, in, in inflation, let's talk about inflation and how does that affect Hispanic families? I'm, I'm sure you're going to be talking to member, members of Congress about that. That's a huge one. And that is so, I mean, in, in this polling, it's the number one issue by a huge margin across the right. board regardless of party affiliation, uh, re- regardless of region, we, we, we took big samples of some of our, our key states. So this is all Americans are currently struggling with this, right? But you can imagine in, in the Latino community, this is a, a big issue because unfortunately what they're hearing and what they're seeing on the news is very different than the reality. Uh, they're hearing that there's this thing called Bidenomics and there's all this messaging around that telling them, hey, this is a great success and you're, you should be better off than you were before. And when you ask the question, it's like 70% of the people say they're worse off, not just you know across the board, they're worse off, not just the same, but worse off. And then maybe another 10 or 20% the same and whatever's left saying that they're better off. So you can, it's to me, the most uh, drastic, uh, strongest sentiment I've seen in the 20 years that I've been involved in this space. Um, and I think that is, a, that, is, that is also because they feel a little bit like they've been lied to. Right. And they've been somewhat, you know, people are trying to put, pull the veil under their eyes, uh, over their eyes. But they can see when they go to the supermarket, like so many people, that the price of, you know, their, their basic uh, groceries is double or even triple what it was a year ago. And that's a very personal thing. Right. That's that's that impacts hardworking families in a big way. So inflation is I'll tell you, the, and obviously we don't want it. So it's not like this is a positive thing, but it's the easiest thing to explain to people. Because sure. they see it and they get it and, and, and it actually drives them to want to do something about it. And it turns them into activists that you know are engaging now in our activities and our grassroots activities. I think one of the things that people have to see it doesn't matter. You know, if you're if you're an American, I think you have to understand that inflation, that the reason for inflation is bad government policies. Right. And a lot of people don't just uh, naturally understand that. That's an education process to let help all people understand that inflation is caused by too much money created by government, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that that's what happens. Are you having success educating folks to understand that that's in, in the Hispanic community, that that is what causes inflation? Yeah. 
I think that's that's it. I mean, because then they ask that question. So why is this happening? Is it is it, you know, um, something that's going on related to COVID? And sometimes people try to use that as an excuse to tell you, right. hey, this is all. Still yeah, like the Biden the, administration. They try yes. and use it as an oh, excuse. Okay. They, they, they do. They do. They're like, oh, this is because of COVID. But people realize, like, well, wait a minute, this COVID thing isn't as, as yeah. uh, draconian as it was two years ago. So right. I don't understand what, what, what the connection here is. So when you tell them, well, no, it's because our government is cashing checks on your behalf and on your children's behalf that you're going to have to pay for in the future. But at the same time, now, as a result of that activity, you're paying for it today with these higher prices. Um, and the, all the other impacts that are happening out there. So yeah, making the connection back to bad uh, policy from the Biden administration or you know the out of control spending in Washington D.C. is also something that they understand. They're like, well, why does the government not have to balance his checkbook when I have to figure out how I'm going to make ends meet? And that you know, it's it's something that they can understand and realize. Hey, if, if this is ever going to change or improve, we need to be involved. We need to educate ourselves, and then we need to be active and helping to educate the rest of our neighbors. Yeah. Um, another issue, and I'm sure you'll be talking about this as well, is energy. You know, the Biden administration's war on affordable energy. I mean, they, they literally are Huge. driving up the cost of energy with these bad decisions that they're making. That has an, in, an impact on Latino families as well. Uh, I mean, yeah. Latinos are known to be, you know, this, this amazing hard work ethic that we see a lot of times in, in, in that community. And, you know, that, that energy, the cost of energy really has an impact, doesn't it? It does. And we were just in Nevada, which is a very important state with a really impactful Latino community. When you talk to people, they're like, look, I've got inflation, but then I also have to pay $5 a gallon for gas. Um, you know, and so that's a big issue. And then you go further into other states and they talk about the, the, the economic impact of this war on energy. You know, there, there are a lot of jobs in the state of Texas and New Mexico and so many other states that are energy jobs and that are that energy economy is important for the community. And so it's it's more it, obviously the, price, the cost of energy is a big deal. And that can be a big deal across the country in a bunch of different markets for different reasons. But really, in, in, in some of these markets where the energy economy was booming and thriving and creating opportunities, it's really impacted uh, a lot of those small business owners that were a part of that economy and, and, the, and the jobs, right? The, the workers that were out there with high paying jobs, right? These weren't, these were good jobs that people uh, rely on. So it's a big issue. And we're actually, this is one of those areas where we are looking for common ground with other organizations, right? Uh, getting together to do something good, right? So we have found a couple of groups that traditionally, I don't wanna say traditionally, but maybe in the fact in the past we hadn't really uh, connected, uh, but they are so concerned about these issues that we're talking about doing joint events and, and maybe even regional conferences around it to help educate policymakers and, and, and to make sure the community is engaged and that they know, hey, we're trying to do something. We're teaming up with this organization that's been in this, you know, in, the, in di different fights before. Maybe we've been on opposite sides at times, but on this one, we're going to work together because we think this is important for this community. Uh, let's talk about immigration. I wanted to talk about Libre's point of yeah. view on immigration because, you know, sometimes that's such a polarizing issue. And I think that the mainstream media makes it appear that, you know, there is that, that the entire Hispanic community supports only one viewpoint on immigration libre's point of view is 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 a a little more nuanced i mean strong 
support for border security and the rule of law, and we have to have a system, but the system is also broken, and we've got to reform that system. But but talk about immigration yeah. and the message you'll be bringing to Congress. Absolutely. Look, we, we have to we have to really this is a tough one of the toughest issues, right, because it's it's it, it's a politically charged issue. Um, now, you would you would think it shouldn't be because this is a nation that benefits from healthy uh, migration and from law abiding migration. Uh, but there's all sorts of reasons behind that. And some of it is political. Some of it is lack of just understanding. I give a lot of credit to the work AFP has done. And Jeff, I know you've been leading on a lot of that to bring people to the border so they can see it and live it and feel it. And they can understand how just how complicated it is, but how real and how personal it is for the people that live in that area. So, you know, we've asked this question in the poll, for example. And when you ask the question on your most important issue, only 6% of respondents across the country said immigration. Uh, I think another 5% mentioned border security. So you would say, well, then then it's not an important issue. Well, well, that, that's when you ask them the most important issue. Most of them said the economy, <laughs> followed by education and healthcare. What right. it is, is that it is a very personal issue. And we know as a community, this is an issue that, you know, is, is, um, is, is very much uh, near and dear to everyone, not just because we're immigrants or so on. But if you live on the border, that immigration crisis has a direct impact on your quality of life, right? Those border communities and those border towns are, are really suffering. So, yeah, for, for we need border security as a country. I think that's an important rule of law at the border is, is vital to, to finding solutions to the immigration system. So we've always said that and we continue to believe it. That is where, where it has to start with border security. But once we figure that piece out, which is not an easy solution, we need to fix the system. This system is antiquated and arcane and it, it doesn't reward good behavior, right? It actually right. pushes people to do things that I think, unfortunately, then leads to the crisis that we're having today or, or, or creates these uh, negative incentives. I think we need pathways, right? We need legal pathways to migration. We need legal pathways for people to come here that are looking to contribute to our country that actually have a place to go and have a job waiting for them. You know, we talk to employers all the time all over the country. When, when you get out there, whether it's in Florida, California, Iowa, you know, Nevada, anywhere that you go, people are telling you about the challenges they're having with workforce and the need for labor and all sorts of other things that are going on out there. So I think that that, that there is a, a, a strong economic case that can be made here. Uh, there's a strong uh, law and order and security case that, that that needs to be made. And so when we go to Congress, we want to be a, an asset to these members of Congress. We want to help inform them if they need to understand some of these nuances. Uh, and I think this polling data, for example, helps with some of that. But also we want to support those who are champions. You know, there are some members who've taken bold positions and uh, are, are trying to, you know, do things about some of these, uh, this broken system. So there are so many components that are broken. And so we've supported that, um, you know, we've gotten behind a bunch of different pieces of legislation from members uh, of Congress everywhere from Florida to New York um, that are promoting good policies because we, we feel that that's kind of a, a way for us to be a voice for the Hispanic community, but also be an ally and a good asset for those policymakers. Well, I, you know, I, I know we're we're kind of out of time. I wish we could talk much more. I know uh, educational freedom is an important issue that you all bring. Huge. Unfortunately, it's we have to talk about that at the federal level. I wish we didn't because it shouldn't be a federal issue, but the federal government seems to keep reaching into education. <laughs> but I know that that's a very important issue as well for for partic- particularly for the Hispanic community. So 
Uh, I know that you'll be talking about that. Maybe you can touch on that, but also let us know if people want to learn more about Libre, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah. So our, our social media platforms, uh, the Libre initiative, but our website, B Libre, B E L I B R E, uh, dot org is, is the best place for people to find us. I think, uh, you know, on there, there's a lot of resources and a lot of ways that you can send us your info and we'll get you involved. Uh, with a bunch of different projects that, you know, that we're doing across the country. If you want to volunteer, if you want to just get information or share your point of view with us, um, we're happy to, to engage in that conversation with you. And then on educational uh, choice and, and school choice, educational freedom, that is a, a tremendously, uh, and actually, this was a big one. People who had kids in the household, almost as important as the economy. Right? So there is a, a and, and men and women, high you know, a high priority on this issue. I think this is an important issue because I, I went to public school my whole life and, and it's fine. I mean, I, I actually was lucky that I had good teachers and, and I, I worked my way through it. But you could see where there's parents who are caught in, in systems or trapped in a school. And it's very, they, 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 they've sacrificed so much to work hard to come to this country or if they were born here and they want something better for their children. They should have the, they should have the option to take those kids and put them in a different school, right? And so I think that that is where it's another one that is easy for people to grasp, easy to understand. And then this one, we found people who are very passionate, people who have become educational champions that suddenly because of the work we did together with Libre, with AFP, suddenly they become part of our movement and want to promote all these other policies. But the educational option is something that's gotten people who are not active, maybe not even fully aligned with us, uh, to come out and become supporters. And then suddenly they are, you know, they're doing so many other things. So we think it's a really important issue. It's, you know, so much, uh, so much information that we can share about that. There's an educational element there too, that we, we, we try to get people to understand what's good policy, what's bad policy. Cause like you just said, Jeff, there, there's some things that people say, well, we should have a federal solution. Well, no, that's not, that's not the best approach. Uh, and, and, and because it's such a thing that's personal to people, there are a lot of advocacy groups that maybe propose those things. Uh, without having any real uh, explanation of the consequences of that, right, on their local systems. Yeah. All right. Well, Jose, thanks for all you're doing. I appreciate all the great work that you're doing uh, personally as well as with Libre, uh, you know, to educate folks. And uh, we just appreciate you taking a few minutes to out of your day to join us. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. I'm looking forward to doing this again sometime, and hopefully we'll have some good updates for you later on this year or early next year on on the work we did in D.C. and all the other exciting stuff that's happening in the community. All right. Well, listen, uh, thanks uh, for, for joining us. To, to those of you watching or listening to this podcast, really appreciate your engagement here. And this is a great example of why we need, uh, you know, we need outreach to uh, Hispanic communities and, and others to help them understand, just like we have outreach, you know, through Americans for Prosperity, through other groups to make sure that people understand inflation is caused by bad government decisions. Um, you know, on the immigration issue, I just think it's so important. I love meeting immigrants to the United States. Just last week, uh, met someone who immigrated to the U.S. Uh, from uh, another country, from a Scandinavian country, and they just talked about how amazing it is, the freedoms, the liberties that we have, the Bill of Rights they were talking about how awesome that is. And sometimes we take it for granted because we were born here. 
we don't understand how special it is to have freedom of speech sometimes. We forget that. Freedom of religion, the freedom to, uh, you know, petition your government for a redress of, of, of grievances, the Second Amendment, the, the you know, the, the protections of, of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. These are all important things, and people who come to the United States are the lifeblood to remind us how important that is because we don't have it in every country in America. So that's really important. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com. 